Good morning. Uh, before we start, um, I'd like to have a word of prayer. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we give thee thanks and praise, Lord, for this wonderful day. We give you thanks and praise, Lord, for providing us with, with your blessings for the past week, protecting us for, for anything that will harm us. May we ask, Lord, for the forgiveness of our hearts and the thoughts that we have right now to be a block to the message, Lord God. We thank you greatly, Lord, for last week we were praying for those 12 children and their coaches and their coach were in Thailand. Safely, Lord, on the third day they came out all safe and sound. We would like just to still continue praying for them for the long-term effect, Lord, on emotional and physical for what happened to them. But it's really great to see that even with that, even in that particular cave, they're still wondering who won in the World Cup. Children really amazes us. And thank you, Lord, for them. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I request for your attention for today. I know it's the finals for the World Cup. Please settle and um, maybe starting now, but please focus on the message for now. We read a scripture that's quite short, but it's actually very powerful. For the Lord himself to talk to himself, God, and to tell, to say, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. It's quite an amazing statement at the dying stage. If you look at the words, do we really know or don't know what we are doing? Have we not given the right mind as to what we are doing? And yet, Christ himself said that. If we read further back okay, in that scripture, um, this is verse 34, but we want to read back further, I mean, in verse 32. Two other men, both criminals, were also uh, led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified him, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other one on his left. But Jesus said, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes and casting, by casting lots. Even at that point, they really don't know what they're doing. They're gambling. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. Really sad, but it, it is true, and it happened. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness is the action or process of forgiving or being forgiven. Other synonymous words are pardon, absolution, exoneration, remission, dispensation, indulgence, clemency, mercy, reprieve, and amnesty. We see these words many, many times, especially 
like, um, you know, in government officials giving amnesty to people, forgiving them for what they have done to, get, to give back their freedom. Forgiveness is something we do naturally and easily given the right approach. By appealing to our good judgment and our own normal daily life experience, it becomes very obvious that forgiveness is the only healthy and happy way to live. The aim of today is not that we will absorb this as an idea. The aim is for us to have it as an experience as, and as a reflection. Rather than forgiveness as being seen as something difficult or out of reach, which is what it is for many people, our goal today is to offer an understanding of God's forgiveness and encourage us to become involved and or take part so that we can experience for ourselves that it is no, a normal and natural thing for us to do. Doing some cross-reference on, on this particular message of forgiveness, I come across one of the book on forgiveness's power uh, entitled, and the author William Fergus Martin mentioned this. It is not forgiveness that is difficult. It is unforgiveness that is difficult. It is not forgiveness which takes a lot of effort. It is unforgiveness that takes a lot of effort. It is not forgiveness, forgiveness which is complicated. It is unforgiveness that is which is complicated. We settle, toward, we settle toward unforgiveness as a way of protecting ourselves or getting back at those who have hurt us. But instead of unforgiveness, but instead unforgiveness harms us, honestly. Rick Bazet, author, founder, and lead pastor of New Life Church, says, Unforgiveness is like drinking poison, and waiting for the other person to drop dead. Again, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to drop dead. It's punishing us, not the other person. Jesus used a parable of a man who was forgiven a debt he could never have repaid. Yet this same man refused to forgive someone who owed him a much a smaller amount. The unforgiving man was thrown into prison. We tend to think that holding a grudge negatively impacts the one who wronged us. But unforgiveness is a prison that keeps us in chains. As our staff, you know, with the discuss and, and overreaching ideas for this particular message, Our prayer would really be that people would be released from the bondage of bitterness and resentment that accompanies unforgiveness and that we've 
seen and find that we will be seeing and finding freedom. How important is forgiveness for our Creator for us to follow? Definitely very important. A priority as God forgave us through our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember last week um, in our lesson as to what God hates. There are six things in Proverbs, six, sixteen, nineteen. There are six things that the Lord hates. Seven that are detestable or abominable to Him. A haughty eyes, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed in innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that quick to rush into evil, um, and a false witness who pours out lies, and number seven, a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. These actions that you see is, from what I understand, is initiated because of unforgiveness. Sad but true, especially within the Christian circle. Some, we justify our actions of unforgiveness by saying, Oh, in God's time, I will forgive. Oh, time will do it for me. But what if that time runs out on us? God is actually telling us to do it now. It is the same thing as when the eunuch, am I pronouncing it right, the eunuch, reading and hearing the Word of God, saw the water, and decided that at that particular moment be baptized. He didn't even ask when. He just said, what will I do? Well, be baptized. Seeing the water along the way, he just went in, and that's it. That's how forgiveness and unforgiveness is relative to each other, in a sense. We need to do it now. Forget about unforgiveness. Forgive. How important is forgiveness? We can look at forgiveness as a way of life. We see this in the Lord's Prayer. When Jesus says, in Matthew 6.12, Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Maybe conditional, but that's what the Lord wants us to do. He wants us to forgive so He can make a room to forgive us. We had a song earlier, it says, you know, healing and forgiving. So God gave us Christ to be healed and be forgiven, and that forgiveness we should do so that we will be healed. If we don't have one of them, then how come we will be able to continue walking with Christ? Absence of forgiveness blocks access to kingdom, to the kingdom and to the miracle power. Matthew 5, 23 to 24. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, 
Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to your brother or sister. Then come and offer your gift. We offer things to the Lord that would be useless if we, still, if we have that particular grudge in our hearts with our brothers and sisters in Christ. This is always a challenge, but it doesn't mean, oh, sorry, but if it does not happen, okay, if this does not happen, what does God say again in Matthew? For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I can only say wow to this statement. This is a very challenging statement. As it is stated by Jesus, sinning against you, that means anything or everything. Another wow is in Mark and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Now, some of us may say, uh, well, I already forgave him. Or many times I forgave him, but he, she, keeps on repeating the same sin against me. What else? Uh, Christ said in uh, Matthew 18.21, when Peter asked, How many times will I forgive? He says, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, how many? Seventy times. Not seven times, but seventy times. Or 77 times, sorry. Do we really monitor the number of forgiveness? Do we have a, like a checkbox and say, Oh, I forgave you one time, this time. Then like a score box. So if we do it 77 times, by the time you get to 10 or maybe 15, you already have forgotten it and you may need to count again. So that's... The Lord is saying, don't stop forgiving. Don't stop forgiving. Don't stop forgiving. The reason why is that it really is a blessing. or uh, It's freedom given to us when we forgive. I saw an illustration in this book that I want to share. It's about radical forgiving love. This is from Korea. So my daughter, seriously... During, world, uh, during the Korean War, a South Korean Christian civilian was arrested by the communists and ordered shot. But when the young communist leader learned that the prisoner was in charge of an orphanage caring for small children, he decided to spare him and kill his son instead. So they took his 19-year-old son and shot him right there in front of the Christian man. Later, the fortunes of war changed and that same young communist leader was captured by the UN forces, tried and condemned to death. 
But the leader of the, the sorry, but before the sentence could be carried out, the Christian whose boy has been killed came and pleaded for the life of the killer. He declared that this communist was young, that he really did not know what he was doing. The Christian said, give him to me and I will train him. The UN forces granted the request and the father took the murderer of his boy unto his own home and cared for him. And today, that young man, formerly a communist, is a Christian pastor serving Christ. This is the power of forgiving love that can only be described as a superabundant, the kind of love the dying Stephen reflected in the book of Acts. It's hard, especially in that particular case. I'm pretty sure some people will tell me now, or whoever will listen to this message, is that, you know, Eduardo, you're dreaming. I cannot forgive. What that person did to me, I cannot forgive. It is possible to forgive, but we need the power of the Holy Spirit in us. We need the guidance and a strong will prayer to our Lord, to our Creator. What do we do then? Stop blaming God. For me, the first person to settle our account is to God. If we have bitterness to God, we will not move on. If we keep on saying always, oh, you know, that those children were dead, they were in that cave. If something happens to those children, right? For example, they were not saved and they all died. I'm pretty sure some people will, will say, it's God's fault. Why little children? We keep on blaming God all the time with our situation. But because they were all saved, wow, we thank God. We actually sometimes forget to thank God for their saving. We blame God because, let's say, a child died, because a husband ran away, because we have been sick, because we have not had enough money. Consciously or unconsciously, we think all of these things are God's fault. There is a, there is a, a deep-seated resentment, yet we cannot be resentful toward God and experience miracles. We have to rid ourselves of any bitterness toward God. It may take some soul-searching, but we must ask ourselves, am I blaming God for my situation? Let's not blame God. At the beginning anyways, we are to blame with our situation. It's a choice. There's only one thing that God cannot give us or cannot change. He can change anything but not the will of man. That is the only thing that he cannot change. That change should come from us to change. Second, forgive ourselves. We're not perfect. We will not be perfect. We will be failing all the time. We will make mistakes. You know, my, my, my children, they always fail. But, but they come back and serve us well. That I let you know. More people have lack of forgiveness toward themselves than toward anybody else. 
we are unwilling to forgive ourselves and to recognize that God says, this is in Psalm 103.12, as far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. Aren't you happy that God said that in the scripture? If we are a believer in Christ, he has already cleansed our conscience from dead works so that we might serve the living God. Someone said this, we must forgive all who need forgiveness. If the first person to forgive is yourself, you need to say, God, before you, in front of you, I forgive myself. Whatever I have done, I accept your forgiveness and I forgive me. I do not know what I am doing. That's a very simple but profound statement because as long as we feel that we are under condemnation, we will never have faith to see miracles. In John, 1 John, sorry, 3.21, it says, Dear friends, if our heart does not condemn us, we have, com- we have confidence before God. But warning, this is a warning to all of us. We cannot have continuing sin in our lives and expect forgiveness. We have to be free from ongoing conscious sin and rebellion against God. But if we are walking in the light and walking in forgiveness, then the blood of Christ is continuously cleansing us from all sin. The first person we probably have not forgiven is ourselves. Third, forgive our families. This is sometimes tough within a family, especially if we have the sin of money or inheritance or whatnot. Forgive the husbands that fails, the wives, the children, brothers, sisters, and the parents. All must be forgiven once lights and resentments have built up in family situations. It is not just a family matter. All lack of forgiveness has to be eliminated, especially toward every family member. They are family. If they need help for us to forgive them, we offer that help. We became a family of God by God's forgiveness through the cross. And lastly, do you have enemies? How many? Either we know or we don't know that they are our enemies, honestly. Because we do things in life, we do things at work, in church, at home, outside, while driving. You don't think you don't create enemies while you're driving? I'm pretty sure you create enemies. When you drive slow or too fast or overtake, you create enemies all the time. Enemies are all over. But, The command is to forgive. Finally, there has to be forgiveness for anybody else who has ever done anything against us. 
It may be that our resentment is justified, whether it's justified or not, okay? Whether we are right or wrong, if we have the biggest chance, okay, to come down to that being rightful and just say, look, I'll forgive you and we, are, we need to talk, especially in a relationship. Oh, I'm right. Oh, you're wrong. I'm right. You're wrong. It's always like that. It's like a ping pong. The person may have done a very evil, terrible thing to us. We may have every legal and intellectual right to hold a grudge or to hate that person. But if we want to see miracles in our lives, it is absolutely imperative that we forgive. In Matthew 5, 43, 48, our Lord, you know, 43, 48, I'll read it through. Love for enemies. You have heard that it has said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, the reward will, what, what reward will you be getting? Or what will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even, do, do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. It's not easy. Again, I'm not saying that these are all easy steps. But we need to try. We need to pray. We need to sit down, contemplate, reflect, and see how we can forgive. We need to work hard in that forgiveness. But once this is done, I'm telling you, once this is done, the forgiveness, life will be easier. In both, we can then realize to say, forgiving our families and forgiving our enemies, okay? By that point, by that time, if we are able to practice those, then we will be able to say to our Lord God, our Lord God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, please, please forgive them for they do not know what to do or what they're doing now we have the right to say that right now we don't have the right to say that but if we practice ourselves forgiveness even to the toughest and the hard one hard situation then we can say that Lord I tried my best I did my best I have forgiven the person or persons and yet, I don't get any reply. Still continue praying. To conclude, forgiveness. This is what forgiveness is all about. Christ dying on the cross, getting all those whips, getting all the thorns on his head, he bled and died for the forgiveness of our sins. 
let us forgive to the point where we actually feel ourselves cleansed of hatred and anger and are actually praying for them. If we do not, the lack of forgiveness will make it impossible for God to forgive us. Every miracle depends 100% on our relationship to God, the Father. And that relationship is built strictly on the strength of His forgiveness of our sins. Forgiveness is the key. The empty cross, the empty tomb, the resurrected body of Christ. That's how, how amazing it is. Other sins can be present. And if our hearts condemns us for something else, then of course we do not have confidence before God. But it is a lack of forgiveness that most often comes between us and God. May the Lord God bless you with this message. Sing our praise unto one. Let's all stand and sing Victor's Crown.